Attention culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. I'm Daniel. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories, so of course, we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So each episode, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. Woo-hoo. This week, we're crying, maybe, taking a break. Yeah. Like, we're breaking out of this joint. Finally, we need to get out of here. And discussing the 10th episode of Andor titled, One Way Out! One Way, One way out. out! One Way Out! Another great sizzler line from these episodes. So this episode was written once again by Bo William. And then directed by Toby Haynes, this power duo, power couple. Ooh, I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm suing them for emotional distress. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But also keep making more content. I love you. Yes. Yes. Please come back to Star Wars. Be warned. There will be spoilers for this episode and all things Star Wars. But you know, guys, this is a little weird. Is that a blaster in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> Prisoners together. Strong. <laughs> I, I'm just going to go for a swim because I know how. Oh, <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> okay, and with that and my swimmies on, let's oh. punch it with the episode recap. So, before we start crying, the bulk of this episode is focused on the Narcana 5 prison escape, of course, but throughout we do check in with other characters. At the ISB, Dedra and her colleagues learned that Krieger's team has fallen for their ruse and will continue with their planned raid. Agent Lonnie convinces Partigaz that the Imperials shouldn't let the rebels through too easily as they might sniff out the trap. And Dedra seems annoyed by this and storms out, but it was very smart. Very, very actually smart. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we're finding out that the other ISB agents might not be a bag of hammers dumb. I mean, some of them, and we'll find out later why. Luthan learns that one of his spies wants to meet face-to-face, something he hasn't asked for in over a year. I don't know about you two, but this intrigued me a whole bunch. Yeah. I was like, who is it? I had no idea. Also, no idea who it was. Back on Ferrix, a doctor is told that Marva hasn't been taking her meds. Shame on you, Marva. Cinta is watching but so is Korv. And this is one of Dedra's men. Dedra said last episodes that they had Marva under constant surveillance. And so this mm-hmm. is her man that's watching Marva. Maybe now is kind of on to Cinta. We're not sure. Or he's probably just clocking everybody who's kind of pausing in front of Marva's door. Yeah. Then mm, this one really rubbed me the wrong way, guys. On Coruscant, Mon Mothma and Tay meet with Davil Skuldun, which is a fantastic Ooh. name for a greasy scuzzy criminal yes let's face he's it he's a banker yeah he's a creative banker that's what they call <laughs> this guy is a shandrolan banker and thug apparently can totally believe it 
His fit, though, holy crap, did he look good. <laughs> I was trying to decide, did he look like new money? Yes. A bit, It looked yeah, like he yeah. was pushing the fashion envelope. Like, on Tay and Mon, it looks natural. Like, this is the clothing they're very used to. Whereas, even though Davo looked really good, he still was, like, picking at his pants a little bit and, like, didn't seem quite comfortable in the You need to wear the clothes. The clothes cannot wear you. Exactly. So he looks good. It's called fashion. But they can also tell that he's probably not one of their own. And so Davo does agree that he can help with the cash flow problems, but does not want monetary compensation. All the alarm bells should be going off like crazy. Red flags. Immediately. Red flags are flying right now. When Mon presses him, being like, I don't want to owe you a favor. You're going to take my money. He admits that he wants a return invitation instead to Coruscant to Mon Mothma's house, where he can introduce his son to Lita. Who is 14. And then his son's 13, right? Did he say? It's a, or maybe uh, it's no, the other way around. His son's 14 yeah. and Lita's 13. And she's 13. Right so yeah, they're, at least they're close in age, but still, this is real icky. Yeah, folks. so we're Mon and Perrin. Not a fan. Yeah. When well, did this become mm-hmm. House of the Dragon? Exactly. When did Westeros invade a galaxy far, far away? That's just well, they're I not mean. cousins or brother and sister, so we're not there yet. <laughs> you know what? That is at least the one good thing yes. you can get out of this. This is more like a Joffrey and Sansa arbitral, which hopefully it does not work out in that fashion. <laughs> but like just the young people who don't know each other at all being basically yeah. thrown together. I'm curious to see if we'll see this in the show, whether Davos's son is really not into it either that would be pretty funny the implication of course in this is being that they will be betrothed in the end just like Perrin and Mon were Mon flat out refuses but Davo knows that she's thinking about it that was a great line he says to her that yeah like that's the first untrue thing you've said Mm -hmm. like the way he says it you see he also looks a little bit surprised yeah like oh man it it was just the way Whoever they got for that actor, he's he was very good. He is so good. He creeped me out so completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really Ooh. did. Yeah, so it's Richard Delane. He's, okay. I believe, he's Stephen Delane's um oh, like brother. Okay. So oh, that is that makes a lot of sense, Stannis. <laughs> that is Stannis Baratheon's real life brother. Okay, bro. So this guy didn't have Stannis's morals or, uh, you know, (laughs) ethics or, I don't know, standards. Stannis still sucked. I mean, it's that second son energy. Yeah. Yeah. Big second son energy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So cutting over to the prison, though, we're on Narkina 5. Cassian is telling Kino that the escape has to happen the following day because they're going to bring in a new prisoner to replace Olaf. And this plan that he has hinges on that lift that the new prisoners come in on. Kino, though, is still not fully on board. He's like, you say you have a plan? You'd have jack shit. You guys don't have a plan. They get into a fight, and Cassian tells Kino, look, I'm willing to die in the attempt, so long as I don't die doing what they want me to do, essentially. Yeah. Getting back to the cells, Cassian tells the prisoners what happened on level two, and Kino confirms it. They're never getting out. And this is where it's truly settling in on Kino that 
what he has been working towards is just never going to happen. They they won't get out. So now he's in, and they start hammering out the details of a plan. By the next morning, Kino is convincing the rest of the men that they need to escape or die trying. He's on board now. He's in. Mm -hmm. On the way to the floor, the prisoners are informed that all transits are to be done in complete silence from now on. They can't talk to the other shifts. They can't have little chit-chat in the hallways. Nothing. Mm -hmm. The Empire is cracking down. Down on the floor, Cassian heads into the bathroom and he finishes cutting through that pipe causing the floor to start flooding that was just that is such a tense scene because it's like he's yes. he's against the clock they've announced that this prisoner's coming in he's like shit, shit, shit. i gotta get yeah. like, I, if i don't do this right now <laughs> we're done we're fucked mm-hmm. the guards are bringing down the new prisoner the men take their shot they start a riot jam the elevator in place and start climbing it they're throwing objects at the guards who try to use the high ground unfortunately they're not good at the high ground they do take (laughs) out some of the prisoners but they are overwhelmed and the floor is about to be electrified kino yells at everyone to get on the tables and the water from the flood causes a short the electric floor is now dead (laughs) and the prisoners it's like it's it kept reminding me of like one of those moments. Usually it's on like a, a supernatural type show or something where like the, the demon or something is trapped inside some kind of like a thing drawn on the floor, but then mm-hmm. there's just that little crack in the paint or something like that. Yeah. And they yeah. take the, and they take that first step out. <laughs> yeah. And you know that I, it's over. Well, I was, like, oh. was just watching a series on Netflix called the silent sea that has to do with an enclosed space and water and dripping and i was like is this like a, a metaphor for this week this water <laughs> is going anyway, to infiltrate everywhere <laughs> the prisoners overwhelm the guards and the flood starts spreading to other floors mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i just loved seeing caesar i'm sorry kino order uh, the <laughs> the prisoners to attack that was just oh my gosh more andy circus please well, speaking of Kino, though, Cassian and Kino managed to fight their way up to level eight and into the control room. Uh, they forced the men there to stop their planned isolation and lockdown of level five. And they're not just shutting off the floors. They're shutting down the hydro generators. They're cutting the whole power to the prison. It was a smart call from Cassian there. Yes. Um, so Cassian really showing his his leadership skills here. Not only does he make the call that the hydro generators need to get taken off, he then convinces Kino, get on the mic and convince the rest of the prison to rebel. Like, you do this every day. Mm-hmm. Get to it. Kino's reluctant, but, you know, he finds his courage. He gives an impassioned call for action. He's encouraging everyone to climb their way out. Climb. Help everyone along the way. Yes, climb. <laughs> and I love that he's just staring right at Cassian's face as he says Cassian's line right back yes. to him about I'd rather die trying than give them what they want. Mm-hmm. And oh man, it was it was brilliant. They all storm their way to freedom. That sadistic imperial guard from the first episode of this arc was hiding behind a door with a bunch of other guards. Yep. <laughs> that was mm, great to watch them hide. Things go from you know, the elated feeling of we're, we're escaping to, well, we get to fresh air and Kino, Kino can't swim. And it is heartbreaking. Cassian's <laughs> trying to figure out what's wrong and he hears him and 
we know Cassian, he was going to help him, but Cassian gets knocked off and, and mm-hmm. can't do anything about it. And we don't see what happens. We don't know if Cassian, or we don't know if Kino, does he try and jump? Does someone try and help him? That was, that was so heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> it really that was. was. It's like, is oh. this Dave Filoni? Did Dave oh. Filoni? Of all the things, of all the things to happen here, I was not expecting that at all. I mean, I thought he might. Smeagol, you lived by the river. Come on, man. You're a river hobbit. (laughs) Yes, come on. Um, Yeah, just like it. Such a simple line of "can't swim," and and the way like he wasn't kind of at ease, like at peace with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't look completely like shocked or like he knew what he was going in, what he was getting into. But he did it anyway because he knew how much it meant to him to get out, and he gave that to everyone. And man, that was just Andy Circus. Yeah. Like, I don't know if a, if another actor could have pulled this off. Like, Andy Circus just is such a good actor that like it. So much of this hinged on his performance. Absolutely, um, it was so. Hats off to you, Andy Circus. Um, and at least though. We see Cassian and Melshi getting away uh, uh, under the cover of night. Possibly the like only two from the group. <laughs> well, I think everyone just kind of split off on their own. I, I'm ways. guessing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, I mean, there's got to be people that got out. Yeah, <laughs> zigzag, go. <laughs> and then uh, we ended out with Luthen meeting his spy. So I didn't put it together at first, uh, like when when. Luthen was saying, oh, I've got to meet somebody. Didn't know who he was talking about. But as soon as we see Lonnie walking through the streets of Coruscant, I looked over at my roommate and I was like, oh my God, is this who Luthen's meeting? So Lonnie man, gets they make in, great spies. He, <laughs> Lonnie gets into the most terrifying elevator. He, he got into <laughs> Disney's Tower of Terror. <laughs> And just started dropping down the levels of Coruscant and talking to Luthen. And he's like, hey, man, uh, I'm, I'm just checking in. Oh, cool. Found out you had a baby. That's nice. Let me just overtly threaten you with that. Just Luthen, you're disturbingly savage. And then he says that he's it's worth 50 men dying from Krieger's operation if we can still keep Lonnie in the ISB feeding information. Mm-hmm. Luthen is vicious and Lonnie tries to tell him like I I want out I'm going to tell the Empire my health's going bad like I've been doing this for six years with no one here like I can't keep this up Mm -hmm. I like I my my sacrifice means nothing to you right Luthen tells him I think about your sacrifice all the time and guess what I've sacrificed just as much and more Mm -hmm. Luthen's speech about what he has sacrificed and how he has damned himself for this burgeoning rebellion is chilling and puts Lonnie in his place. Mm-hmm. And then he sends Lonnie right back up the elevator to do his job. Yeah. And it was, it was cold and it was chilling seeing someone from, you know, the good guys speak like that. Yeah, We know what he's fighting for and we yeah. agree with it, but yeah. my God, he's right. He is damned for what he's doing. And it's pretty funny because Saw was giving Luthen this basically like ranting speech about how 
he needs to be more in it or he, he like saw is the one who's the actual extremist and this speech i was like uh-uh thought <laughs> has got nothing on luthan i don't know luthan's past but holy shit <laughs> also i just love love how luthan is playing the game when mm-hmm. uh he says oh no aldani that wasn't us like no that that was in that was dealt in with luck we don't deal with luck like yeah. smart oh yeah mm. we were invited we didn't show up like right. okay luthan you are you are playing the game sir mm-hmm. i think the only one who knows anything that's like actually going on is clea yeah, yeah. and even she probably has a couple dark spots where she doesn't know but she might have a few things that luthan doesn't know oh yeah or at least that she thinks luthan doesn't know right. yeah mm-hmm. it's just who we're gonna talk about both of the speeches later <laughs> but holy shit <laughs> what an episode of star wars what an episode of television in general mm-hmm. we're gonna get into our overall reactions now i think they're all pretty positive <laughs> for yeah. this episode we keep saying as we record like that episode was fantastic i can't wait for the next one well that episode was even better and they just are really good at this building of tension and keeping things like to some certain tropes, but still like pushing the envelope and pushing past and making us care about a character like Andy Circus, who deserves an Emmy for this. Like, you know, like who would have known that we would care about this character at all? And it yeah. took very little screen time for us to be like crying when he can't swim. <laughs> I just... I was like, you emotionally manipulated me and I am fine with that. (laughs) That is where we are. I just was amazed that I knew this was coming. Kind of like in Aldani, we knew the heist was coming. We knew people were going to die. We knew the prison break was coming, but it still was like surprising to me. I thought somebody was going to have to come in and help them get away. No, Mm -hmm. they didn't need help at all. All they did was, you know, be like, bros, we're getting out of here. And it worked. I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. I love this. And even more Shawshank Andy Dufresne moment, except <laughs> he gets everybody else out of prison with him. It is a shame to lose Kino, although I do hope that we see him or hear about him at some other point in Star Wars. Maybe doesn't have to be on the Andor show, but just hearing or hearing about him. Is he safe? <laughs> is he all right? I need to know. <laughs> Is he secret? Is he safe? For real. I just love this character so much. Like his charisma was not expecting him to be this kind of character. I thought he was going to be a hard ass. And he really wasn't. He's like this gushy marshmallow man on the inside. <laughs> he just wants to keep people safe. And he couldn't fight it. Like he just couldn't fight this thing inside him that wanted to help people. And I think that's what Cassian is good at finding out about others. He can find kindred spirits and work with them, which is great. Cassian is a good team player. He is a good team manager, which we will discuss in his character section. (laughs) I just blown away by this arc, by this episode. I love the direction, the writing. You can tell they had complete control of the story, like where they wanted to take us as the audience. And I really liked that I wasn't too disoriented during the riot. I don't know about you guys, but I hate when I can't tell what's going on. Like, I want to know who's being killed, basically. 
And in these shots, you really got to see who was falling, like who was being taken out of the equation. I'd rather have that than be like weird camera angles zooming all over the place or too dark. <laughs> House of the Dragon. I don't like that either. I want to know. I've never had that on. problem with House of the Dragon. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> I might, I guess our TV is just not that good and I'm not going to mess with the settings because <laughs> first of all, it's not my TV. It's someone else's. So I'm not going to touch that with a 10 foot pole. All those I have to say this last, speaking of Westeros, I didn't need to know the chandrel and custom of marrying off the teenagers that made me get a very ick feeling. And I know that's what they wanted me to feel, but I don't like it. Yeah, that was very <laughs> I just ick. have to say, I don't like it. Anders, what did you think? I know we were texting when you were watching. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, I... Wow, this entire episode. <laughs> I was so enthralled the entire time. Uh, I mean, I like the kind of moving the pieces on the chessboard a little bit with all the other like side characters or whatnot. And then we get to just focus in on the prison escape. It was so it was so tense i was like is cassian going to saw through this pipe in time or is he gonna have to like call an audible and do something else like what is happening right here that moment where kino realizes the floor is dead is the look on his face is just oh my god i will admit on my first watch i thought kino's speech was just a little bit too long I was still like raptured by it, but I was like, usually these are over by now. <laughs> Not when you have I Andy mean... Circus. <laughs> Not when you have Andy Circus. Just let the man come. Yeah. I mean, it had just it's still so freaking powerful. And then you follow it up with Luthens at the end, and mm-hmm. he does that slow build. When he does, I will whenever um Stellan Skarsgard has that like super quiet voice his voice it's like kind of crackling a little bit it always actually brings me back to he was he was uh like one of the main villains in in a king arthur movie in like the mid 2000s with Kara knightley as guinevere Clive Owen. he was like he was like the bad guy and he's like giving his son a uh a little bit of a dressing down his like if you want to challenge me you need to have a sword in your hand but he has that same just like quiet he's practically whispering crackling mm-hmm. voice and it's terrifying yes. uh, <laughs> he's a good person to play a villain and a gray character because he was the bad guy in a uh, girl with the dragon tattoo yes he was the movie oh, adaptation God, he was. and holy shit <laughs> creepy <laughs> terrified. as hell terrified of stone scars yeah like, oh my god the writing in this episode is just it's just top notch like <laughs> tony gilroy like got the talent if he was in charge of like show running if he was in charge of getting these directors and writers just all of the standing ovations yeah it's been incredible yeah. I'm pretty sure he was because I think the original plan was that he was actually going to do it all he was going to like direct mm-hmm. them all I think he was going to write them all um, like, and then nah. he's, and then he was just like, you know what? Actually, no, I don't. Nobody got time for that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Fair enough. Except though. Dave Filoni, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But I Star mean, Wars that man just lives and breathes Star Wars, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very true. Oh. Daniel, what did you think of this episode? <laughs> this is one of the best pieces of Star Wars media in general. Like, this is one of the best pieces of content that's come out since Disney got Star Wars. We're going to have to do rankings at the end. 
this is setting the bar for storytelling in star wars the writing the acting the directing the practical sets that are being supplemented by cgi like everything about this is just next level from what we've been getting and it makes me look back and go why haven't we been getting stuff at this standard like this is telling us like if this is what a TV show can accomplish on a TV show budget, I granted it is Disney, but, but like, still. come on, <laughs> but still, like, what, what are we doing, guys? If other Star Wars shows are getting this kind of budget, mm-hmm. like, come, get this creative team to run a seminar, sit down all these people running shows for Star Wars, and say, "Hey, think about this, guys. Come on, what are we doing? <laughs> we are." working on actual good scripts. We are doing practical sets because that is what makes good emotional storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I, love this franchise, but sometimes it has the tendency to, oh, look at, look at this alien. We've got glup shitto over here. <laughs> like I don't give a, I don't care about this this side character or this like oh look at what i've just found like no it it doesn't matter i want good stories that are set in this universe like i'm just this show is making me see what star wars can be and i want more of it there is always time for fun good campy star wars legos we have lego star wars it doesn't even have to be lego star wars like we can do that in the cartoons you can still have some fun in the live action stuff but like this is showing us like you can have a good well done story in a fun setting as well besides like this isn't a very fun setting but it is a well done like well like you know what I'm trying to say? I feel like I'm rambling, I know exactly. Like, I'm I know just, exactly what you're saying. Yeah, what you're saying. I'm just yeah. so frustrated because it's like, if this is something that you guys could have been doing this whole time, why haven't we been getting it? And I expect yeah. more of this going forward. I love that we got the show they promised us, basically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The show that a lot of people weren't as excited for is the one that is doing the best. And I was the quietly liver, rooting right? for this show the whole time because Rogue One made me so happy mm-hmm. and i'm just i'm so glad that this show delivered exactly what i wanted and even more yes people Absolutely. watch andor <laughs> yes it's so then good. go watch rebels just because and then, yeah just watch rebels they're happening at the same time just go watch it <laughs> all right i think it's time to move into our next section we're going to be talking about characters a little general discussion points we're going to go into themes this is a theme heavy episode much yes. themes, much <laughs> literary criticism. <laughs> yes, but I'm going to start us off with our with our main guy Cassian, and a couple of ma- really big things shine through uh, in this episode from Cassian. He is he's leading from the back. He's not the one to actually inspire the masses. He's very much like we saw this throughout this entire prison thing. He's making friends. He's doing all these little things. He's moving pieces and moving people around. But he's not the one who's going to get on the mic and inspire the whole prison. He can motivate an individual. He can slap some sense into Kino and get him to be the figurehead. And this ultimately makes him a very non-traditional hero and one of the more intriguing aspects of him that he he's not a Luke Skywalker. 
And he's never going to be. He's very quiet and charisma. Yeah. You know, everybody in his freaking hall is friends with him. Absolutely. He he hasn't been there that many shifts, but he's already made like relationships with these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to that, he's using one of Colleen's favorite things, empathy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But he, he seems to actually really care that most of these prisoners are going to get out. There is a version of this story. There's a version of this where he's basically using the riot as a distraction to get himself out. But he actually is trying to make sure everyone is out there. You can see the the horror on his face when Kino says he can't swim. And Cassian is just heartbroken. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I couldn't have done this without you. <laughs> but I mean, before he Cassian, can, he... Cassian wasn't much. heartless before. He uh, he just was, you know, looking out for himself first. But once he goes into this mm-hmm. prison, he's like, oh, no, we're all in this same boat. Yep. Like, I, I think being in that collective situation was enough for him to be like, oh, no, I'm not just worried about myself at this point. If I can right. do something for all of us, then he was going to do it. And also almost yeah. a sense, I mean, almost a sense of responsibility, because I think it does yeah. click in his mind that this is all happening as a result of the Aldani raid. Mm-hmm. And not just responsibility because of the Aldani raid, but also he knows that he can do this. Like he knows that like, all right, we've got a plan. We can put this in motion. So like he can't just sit back. Yeah. I'm it. it, I really love seeing the evolution of Cassian throughout this, this season so far. Mm -hmm. And then we've got Kino, the just tragedy of this arc. It, it was so sad. Like he went through, this prison break he knows that he's not going to escape because they all charge for those uh like ports where the ships dropped him off they know that they're surrounded by water mm-hmm. he does all of this anyway because like he, he in his mind he cannot let the empire keep getting away with this like I it's believe there were no ships i know i mean yeah, I that think is it's the kind of place where the people like live there who work there and they yeah. only get taken off like for maybe after a month probably exactly they probably get cycled out and things like that mm-hmm. um, they might have emergency I mean, ships on like a sh- the shore but nothing yeah. on the prison i mean that is smart though because god forbid the prisoners get out now you don't yeah. give them an escape option <laughs> um, <laughs> it's uh yeah like i just felt so bad for kino like this guy really thought if he just kept his head down worked the program you know, kept his numbers up. I'm just going to get to the end of my shifts and then I'm done. Like yeah. he really was bought into it and he never would have helped if the Empire hadn't done this. Like hadn't betrayed the promises they made to these prisoners and all. Like he just wanted to keep his head down. Yeah. And No quiet instead, quitting for Kino. He's been allowed yeah. to quit. <laughs> I mean, this guy decided, you know what? If I'm not going to be a leader in this Imperial uh, facility... I'm going to be a leader in this Imperial breakout and I'm so happy for him. Um, like you, you couldn't have made this work with just Cassian, even though he is a good leader, he's someone that is good at inspiring people and putting them in the right place. But we needed Kino to be that voice, to be that, like it wouldn't have been the same if Cassian no. gave that speech. No, not at all. Yeah. Cause everyone in the prison knows who Kino is, or at least, a vast majority of people. Yeah, they know is. of him being a shift manager. And like mm-hmm. they, yeah, so like it, that held weight. Yeah. Exactly. 
<laughs> Please be safe, Kino Loy. I love you. We love you. We love you so much. Okay. This man has a certain set of skills, guys, and he's going to use them. His name is Luthen. And holy shit. <laughs> he's just going full dark side. Kind of kidding, but also not kidding. He really, really is showing his true colors in this episode. When he meets with Lonnie and they do that shot of him on, <laughs> on the catwalk with his Darth Vader cloak standing so tall. I was like, holy shit, right? guys, this is not good. Like, he's not wearing the wig. He's not using the fake swagger. Like, this is Luthen completely laying himself bare to another yeah. character. He's like so steely. He's so in charge. And he knows exactly what he's sacrificing for the rebellion. And normally he wouldn't give this kind of speech, I don't think. But Lonnie is an important enough person in his machine that he has to give this kind of speech. Like in order to even make a rebellion, he knows that lives will be lost. He knows this and he's fine with that. Just the chill when he said to Lonnie, oh yeah, that's fine. They know that Krieger's group is attacking. That's fine. We're not going to tell them anything is wrong. And Lonnie is just horrified. (laughs) Lonnie, who is a new father, who probably has a newfound respect for life, is just not in this the way that Luthen is. Although he might be now, he still seems a little afraid, (laughs) which is very fair. Yeah, very understandable. Very understandable, considering this speech. And then Lonnie, I think he knows, though, that he's also just a piece in the puzzle. Like, he's an important piece, but he's still just a player in Luthen's game. And I don't think Luthen would kill him, but he's definitely threatening him. I mean, he would kill him if he became a true liability, but it would take a lot, I think, for Luthen to go after him. It would be like uh, going down that elevator one more time, and then it's like the end of The Departed. (laughs) Oh God! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Clea, Clea is waiting to blow you away if you're too much of a liability. I just was like, holy shit, he's more terrifying to me than the Emperor here. Like, yes, Palpatine is the embodiment of evil, but Luthen is like this desperate man who will literally give up everything to get what he wants. And a true believer like this is always scary. Like Palpatine, he believes in himself, basically. He doesn't believe in anything else. He's even the dark side, he's just using it to gain power. He's not really reverent of it per se. Yeah. He believes in it and he knows how to use it, but that's all he's really interested in. Whereas Luthen is fighting for life, basically, a way of life that he thinks everybody in the galaxy deserves. But not everybody in the galaxy is going to get it, including Cassian, including Melshi, probably most likely including Luthen. Yeah. Like Palpy wouldn't be afraid of Luthen if he knew he existed, but he really should be. <laughs> this man <laughs> really should be is scary. <laughs> like, mm, it would be kind of cool if Palpatine did find out about him at the end, and Luthen's like lifting him <laughs> off Star Wars style as he goes out. I just can trust a fist fight, Palpatine. Yes. (laughs) He's like, you creakly old man. (laughs) Can totally fight. Oh, God, that would be Mm. awful. Mm. Mm. So, someone who's really just realizing how much of a fight this is going to be, I think, Mm -hmm. is Mon Mothma. Yes. Now, she 
in this episode, she just has that one scene, uh, but she probably hasn't admitted it to herself yet, but she she probably intellectually knows, has always kind of known in the back of her mind that there's a chance she's going to have to sacrifice her relationship with her daughter, mm-hmm. which, yeah. you know, isn't too amazing to begin with <laughs> right now, but she, her daughter's a teenager. So, you know, we are willing yeah. to give, to cut Lita some slack, some slack, um, but still she's Mon in the back of her mind. She might have to abandon her family eventually to protect them and deal with the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. And that Lita may never actually forgive her or truly understand why she's doing what she's doing. That is still a very far cry from actually actively using Lita as a bargaining chip without yeah. her knowledge or consent. Well, yeah. Right? Because that if she goes through with that, that is so fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Like, this yeah. is... Luthen and Luthen gives this whole speech about everything that he sacrificed and Mon hasn't fully had to confront what she is going to need to sacrifice and what she's going to be, what she's going to have to decide what she's willing to do. And again, Mon Mothma has been in a couple of Star Wars movies, animated series, books, the Chancellor of the New Republic out in public at events. Yes. Mm -hmm. Lita's never been mentioned until this show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Her existence <laughs> is non-existent yeah. until this show. Yeah. Which does not bode well. It does not. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Everything not great, is folks. terrible. Everything is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Not oh everything. God. Not everything. Sometimes, Colleen, we get to talk about theme. <laughs> <laughs> there were many themes running throughout this episode really showcasing some things from the series as a whole yeah so daniel what's one of the big ones uh one of the themes is the climb so many times uh the speech that ignites a rebellion we've got ezra's we've got mon mothma's you know there's there's tons of speeches in star wars you know there's the line to stand stand as one it always works together like you know work together at that always is effective. And, you know, earlier with the season, we get Nimic telling us, climb, keep going. And K2SO is later going to say the same thing at Rogue One. It's just, it shows up so much that, like, you got to stand up and keep moving and keep climbing, no matter, like, what is happening. Uh, it's it's an act of bravery to just keep going through that, like, no matter how much it feels like you're never going anywhere, that it's it might be never-ending they just keep going. And we have seen that time and time again throughout Star Wars. And it's every time it's it's beautiful. But this one was just, oof, this one was beautiful. Yeah, I love this idea that it's just, it's a sustained effort. It's not just yeah. a single stand up. It is, you it's have to keep going. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. never freaking ends. It is never. a hard fight. It is Neos getting up at the end of the Matrix Revolution and to, because he chooses to. Yep. <laughs> it is. It's Leia, her entire life. It's is Leia. This climb, this fight. Uh, oh, it's Leia. It's so sad. If, you, if yeah. you've read Bloodline for Leia, one of the oh, canon God. novels, I mean, poor Leia. Leia go, goes through it, y'all. Oh, she really Leia does. She went through, through all of it. Yep. But she never ever gives up right 
I just keep thinking about like, I mean, it's also just this great symbolism because the oppressed are usually, they are down. Mm -hmm. They are literally down and they have to climb them. They have to climb their way out. (laughs) And the climb never ends. You you think you get to the top and oh no, there's another floor. (laughs) Gotta keep going. Oh, Always, always another floor. When they looked up and that stairwell, oh my god, that was just there were so many stairs. That was so many stairs. Good thing that they're uh, they work on their feet all day, so they have really strong quads. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, well, you know that's all part of the security features of Narkina Five, high class prison. But you know what? That security is an illusion. The Empire is relying on fear to keep the people in line. And without that fear, they have absolutely nothing. I mean, this is something that's been around since the earliest days of Star Wars, that meeting on the Death Star. Fear will keep the systems in line, fear of this battle station. Mm -hmm. When Palpatine declared himself Emperor, he says, we're going to reorganize into a safe, secure society. And everyone is so happy because they think, yes, we'll have security. But you know what? They have that's it. It's it's a house of cards. It is it is an illusion. They have cut. They cut so many corners on the premise of fear. So when mm-hmm. something goes a tiny bit wrong, they're fucked. It's almost nope. like if you have you know I, I don't know the the supply chain for an entire planet and you've <laughs> let like two companies consolidate everything and so mm-hmm. when one of them has something slightly tiny go wrong, the entire global supply chain gets fucked. What? What? Um, <laughs> but this idea it also oh, brings no. me back actually to uh, my cousin Benny. Joe oh, Pesci is describing the prosecu- Joe Pesci is describing the prosecution's case. They want you to see it as this like solid square brick. Mm-hmm. But all you have to do is change the angle a little bit, and you see that it is as thin as a playing card. This is, in theory, a like pretty high security prison. One pipe break was enough. To flood all the floors. Yep. A single mm-hmm. pipe in one, basically a half bath, not even a full <laughs> bath. It's <laughs> just a half bath. It's not even just a, a half piece. bath. <laughs> just a half bath. <laughs> Oh, it's man. it's it's always the same w- mm-hmm. with societies and things that are based on fear. They keep you in line, but once 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 you're not afraid anymore, they have absolutely nothing. And this is exactly what Luther was talking about. You go the empire into kind of overreacting and trying to keep all that hope down, but it's what sparks people into action. I absolutely laughed out loud i thought the illustration of this was so perfect like we've been hearing this disembodied kind of like the voice of god yeah throughout the present yes. you go in and it's this, this, this like scrawny guy at a mic who looks absolutely terrified like the only thing that could have been that better would be, the only thing that could have made that better would be if he was like if he was like younger and still had acne oh my god yes oh like the teenager from the simpsons yes <laughs> I mean, a lot of these guards are very young. Like, they I are. think we're meant to believe that most of them are very young. Yeah, but this guy did technically have gray hair, so. That guy did, yes. The one that um, is like, oh, I can shut down the power, that's fine. <laughs> he was very, very young. <laughs> I would, too. We're going to talk about that right. right now, in fact. 
next theme for this episode is sacrifice Luthen's speech holy shit this was my favorite line from it I burn my life to make a sunrise I'll never see what a line mm. holy shit right. I mean Stone Skarsgård blew that speech out of the water but that line just encapsulates what Luthen and people like Luthen will sacrifice for the rebellion we also see what are the prisoners willing to sacrifice they're all willing to die basically yeah. they're willing to die in just so some people could maybe escape and that's just incredible that they were able to galvanize that many people <laughs> to join each other i thought that there would be a lot more holdouts but they're not they're like a very united front the empire yeah, well, might I mean, have made a mistake when they formed yeah. teams <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, they oh, got no. them to work together <laughs> yeah. and have, you know, empathy for each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, that didn't turn out good. Nope. And you got Team us building. all physically fit. Physically fit. Yeah. Like, it's like, um, it's at the end. I don't know if it's in the book, but I know it's at the end of season one of The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Um, one of her one of her lines is, if they didn't want us to be an army, they should not have given us uniforms. <laughs> yeah exactly and that's the flip side of the military uniform and the prisoner uniform like they can become both if you're not very careful we also have mon's sacrifice of lita's future here which is very very sad basically this episode is the people who are willing to sacrifice on the side of good or good in quotation marks with luthan who's like 50 people that's fine which is like compared to how many quadrillion people there are in this galaxy yeah 50 people is a drop of very little water in a giant giant ocean so i can see where he's coming from even if morally i would have a really hard time with it i thought it was interesting that we also see that the imperial forces aren't as willing to sacrifice like they're not willing to sacrifice much of anything the prison guards hide from the escapees Which is very fair because they probably don't get paid enough for this shit. Like, let's be real. I'm kind of yeah. surprised that the guys were the guards were shooting at them, but I think that's just like a training response. And they yeah. thought they had high ground. And in reality, they just didn't. They were shorthanded, which also rings very true for certain jobs in the real world, where one person is given the job of three people or plus three people and expected to do them all perfectly. You know what doesn't work? Mm-hmm. That. That does not yeah, work. Yeah, it doesn't go one. well. It didn't go well for these prison guards. I don't think any of these Imperial characters, though, would be willing to risk themselves. Like, let's be no. fair, Cyril really isn't an Imperial yet. He's like part of the machine, kind of, but he's not like Dr. Gorst or even Dedra, these ISB agents. Dedra would, would sacrifice Cyril. Oh, well, I mean, she's oh, sacrifice Dedra would Cyril. sacrifice Cyril. <laughs> yeah. I would, would sacrifice throw, Cyril in a heartbeat. Dedra would throw all kinds of people in front of herself. But I don't think she's maybe willing to die for the Empire. I think we'll see whether her character goes into that. But it just is like this idea of self-service versus serving others is just so present in this series and in these episodes. Like Mon is going to sacrifice her family to serve the galaxy, not only as a senator at present, but eventually as the rebellion's leader and then the leader of the new government, like she's sacrificing just as much as Luthen, maybe not her complete morality, 
but we don't know if Luthen had much morality to begin with. Yeah, so, I don't think he does. Right. He might have been like a sunny, sunshine, happy-go-lucky guy when he was younger, but he is not that right now. He's an artifacts dealer, so he definitely doesn't, he definitely has some gray morality when it comes to, you know, raiding sacred artifacts. Yeah, he's probably (laughs) friends with Dr. Afra, so let's just say he's, (laughs) he's on the side of morale ambiguity. And then just like Anders had said before, Mon's family, she's, they're probably not going to forgive her. She's going to have to live with the consequences. Everybody who is sacrificing has to live with the consequences. Like, you know, sacrifices everything also, even though he really had like no choice, he could have just let everybody die. But instead he's like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice my life. So y'all can get out of here. Mm -hmm. And I I love that. I just love that for his character so much. It was so so great. Okay, mm-hmm. so last little bit here uh, for discussion. Let, let's just talk about the speeches because this episode gave us not one but two pretty instantly iconic Star Wars mm-hmm. speeches. One from Kino, one from Luthen. And I actually like the, like the idea. Let's talk about them act- individually, but also as a pair because it's no accident that they both showed up in this episode. I mean the the rhythm of them was like near was pretty pitch perfect. They both start very slow. You know, they definitely build momentum as they go. Uh, I was listening to an interview with uh, Toby Haynes, the director of this episode, and he, you know, normally they would just put Indy Circus in a sound booth, you know, record bits and pieces here so we can edit it over the over all the cutaways and everything Mm -hmm. and they came to realize like no actually we need to just put him on the set in the room and just record him doing the entire thing he needs to do the entire thing because you need that flow yeah (laughs) yep and he builds all the slow luthan does the same thing starts off very slow and then he gets he gets angrier he gets more intense this entire Mm -hmm. time and eventually he gets loud But they also, the content of these speeches show us very, very different sides of the rebellion. You know, Kino is finding this courage in himself and using it to inspire those around him. He is lifting people up. He is trying to get them to work together to inspire, inspire them to show their humanity to each other Mm -hmm. and to actually like hang on to that last bit of themselves that the empire hasn't had a chance to take away yet. And nurse that flame let it grow luthan's beyond that he's actually mourning the loss of his humanity he gave all of that up just so other people might have a chance at theirs and he's bitter about it fair but he seems (laughs) settled with it he seems very settled with with it yeah yeah he knows that it's what it what has to be done even though he's regretful yeah also very sad <laughs> right like just oh. but without people like kino and people like luthan the empire probably wouldn't have fallen right yeah it it takes all of them even though it is just brutal what 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 people have to give for this rebellion right and i like that i love that the show is showing us this side of things because actually this is like usually what this is usually one of my complaints about like certain stories like you know on rebels let's say 
you know, Maul is trying to tell them, no, you guys, like, you're going to have to get your hands dirty and da 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 And they're like, no, we can do this without getting our hands dirty, which, but then, like, Maul does the dirty thing anyway, so they get the right outcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They so, basically put it on a villain. Yeah, they put it so on a villain, okay. but they get to reap the benefits. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Of, that, yep. of that kind of dirty action and they're this putting is... a character like that right smack in the middle yeah he is the axis that all of this is, is rotating axis. around i love that he laughed at that nickname that they've given him his code name he's like <laughs> that's perfect i was right? like oh Look. he's not afraid at all oh no <laughs> he does not care he has zero fucks to give i love that i love that we've been talking about like all these duality between the empire and the rebellion characters and how alike in a lot of ways they are. I was at uh, the Twin Cities con this weekend, got to meet Timothy Zahn and sat in on his panel. I nerded out real hard, everyone. It was kind of embarrassing, but he nerded right out with me. So I redeemed myself a little bit. Yeah, so I feel like that's even. Yeah, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's perfectly balanced yeah. as the force should be. <laughs> as all things should be. As all things should be. He said something really interesting about creating like battle sequences and Thrawn as a character in particular. He was like, you can't create a villain who's stupid. Like you can't have one side of a battle that's stupid. They have to be yeah. smart people on each side. Oh, so side. Thrawn's a villain? He did not say that. <laughs> he said that Thrawn is Sherlock Holmes. He would. He did not say villain. Nice. And, and, and never would he ever say that. Yeah. <laughs> Antagonist slash anti-villain. But I just thought that concept was cool. Like this show is bringing that out. Like it gave us Dedra, who we rooted for at first. It gives us Luthen, who is super complex, and we should not like him. Like he is not somebody that we should be like oh yeah, Luthen, hero of the rebellion. <laughs> Even though he really is, he's not the poster boy that they could use for the rebellion. Like you can't put someone yeah. up there who's committed many war crimes <laughs> as, your, as your spokesman. And Luthen knows that he's completely comfortable being the non-poster boy. He is there so that Luke can become the savior, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He needs someone who can be put front and center. Yes. Kind of like Cassian. Like Cassian needs to be in the background. He's not interested in being the front man, which is another great thing that we get from the show. A character, the titular character is not really the main character. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I love that for us. Man. All right. Well, then let's move into our next section here. Shortest one of these I think we've ever done. Yeah. The homages, Easter eggs, connections, and callbacks. Mm -hmm. So it is nice that the prison is just in the shape of the Imperial insignia. It is not very subtle, but I mean, it. the Empire has never been subtle. It's so clear that the prison is, you know, something that you need to escape from, just like the Empire is a prison across the galaxy that people are trying to escape from. Um, mm-hmm. It is, it's nice, it, you know, it's a low-level thing, but we're seeing people trying to start that escape, trying trying to start that fight. And uh, I also like, you know, it's the Imperial cog. These prisoners were just another cog in the machine for the Empire. Like, they were just, uh, it. everything that they had on that, it was just, 
Chef's that yeah. that shot of everyone swimming out of it oh, was stunning. so beautiful. I thought it so looked well almost done. like it looked almost like they were like smoke who had like rising up, mm-hmm. like they had set yeah. it on fire yeah. almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it looked like birds kind of swimming, like yeah. flying away because it kind of veered out. They were yeah. all veering out. I was like, oh, it looks like a flock of birds or even like <laughs> a pot of dolphins. Like they're all just moving away from this. Fly, you fools! Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kino. No. Okay. Back to Luthen, our resident sociopath, as Andrew said about Thrawn. It's not, not true. <laughs> oh, please. So Luthen is standing. He is such a sociopath. He's on the spectrum. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I will always be apologetic to Thrawn. It's fine. We get Luthen standing on that catwalk. Working that dark cloak, looking just like Darth Vader for real. The way they shot him from like the angle feet going up just made him look even taller. Just spectacular. He admits to using Imperial techniques to get what he wants, which not very heroic of you, but that's fine. He's doing it for good purpose. Knowing that he's willing to go to these Imperial extremes shows that he's very comfortable flirting with this dark side energy and we love that for him we love that dark billowing cloak <laughs> it's called <Yes>. fashion <laughs> oh yeah he serves he is serving real hard he's wearing that so cloak. Hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also during that speech you may have noticed that once again osha does not exist in the star wars universe there are no railings on that catwalk just like there are no railings for the guys on the death star or anything we are in the bottom reaches of coruscant anything goes baby <laughs> it was but... so terrible nothing <laughs> let's do some death sticks then go take our shift with no guardrails exactly and then Oh, we come to our poor buddy. Kino cannot swim. You know, we we take it for granted that people know how to swim because we live on a planet that is surrounded by water and all that. But with Star Wars, you've got places like Tatooine, Jakku, you know, Dantooine is a grass planet, but it's mostly just grass and not much water. Like, there's a lot of single, you know, biome planets where they're probably not learning this stuff. And, uh, swim through yeah, the magma <laughs> i i hope no one is living on mustafar besides the poor guys that have to like clean up after vader's castle um yeah so like this is just another way to control people you have you know that's why they're sorting everyone out by their home planet i wonder if they're sorting people they're like oh you're from a planet without much water get them to the planet where they're surrounded by water like oh this just saying just it, you know it, we love you it's and I understand all that, but I will say it still it boggles my mind anytime I meet someone who doesn't know how to swim. And I know this like it's totally a product of my environment. Like I grew up coastal. Yeah. Um, and even on the times that I've been like anywhere further inland, like pools are usually somehow are usually somewhat accessible like to cool off in the summertime or something like that whether it's a public one or like whatever it is but the the idea it's just such a normal thing i mean i taught swim lessons for years i'm not expecting everyone to be like michael phelps with the idea that like as a as a as a fully functioning adult the idea that like you can't just like keep yourself floating is it i am it is sympathetic to it but it i do mind, not understand it, it is mind-blowing to me yeah. 
I yeah, totally I'm sympathetic to it. But... We're from water planets, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel's in Florida. Andrews is on the coast. I live in Minnesota or you trip over a rock, you fall in a lake. So like we had to swim for real. Yeah. Everybody swims. I've met a few people who can't as adults, but they were not from Minnesota. Yeah. They were not. And yeah. they could kind of float. Like they, they would go in the water. They just wouldn't swim. Yeah. Which is fair. One of my aunts actually doesn't like water. So she'll like dip her feet in and that's it. Oh, well, I've always know. been aquatic. I yeah. um, put me in the water. Like I'm in. Yep. Let's go. Tostin. Tostin the lake is a baby. And if you sink, well. <laughs> yeah, I just remember like one of my earliest memories is going to the pool right down the street from our neighborhood when I like before I even lived in Florida. So like we, I've just always been in the water. So like, I, I'm sorry to the people that don't like water and, you know, like, I just, I can't relate. I can't relate. I can't relate at all. Put me in the, nope. put me in the ocean, put me in the pool. I don't I care. I love water. I love but water. I will not go in rivers in Florida, no. obviously. No, but no like, alligators. Thank you. Don't even <laughs> shame me to go into a river in the Midwest, where a lot of my family is, I don't care. It's weird. Rivers are where scary things are. I don't you like tube it. down a river. You float in a tube yes. down a river. You yeah. don't swim. Thank that. you. With a cooler Thank attached you. in a smaller tube. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is Thank the way you. to do it. All right. Now that we're done with our Easter eggs and our swimming experience, <laughs> we're going to get to our questions and predictions section. We'll go through any questions we have coming out of the episode, what we think will happen next, what we want to happen next. Uh, Melshi, Cassian, Chip, anyone? Are we? Are we I getting just, on I can't. I, I I texted this to you guys. I have to. I have I'm to watching. actually say it. Like I cannot oh. hear the name Melshi. <laughs> go to. So there's an episode of Futurama where they're they're doing a whole riff on Star Trek, and there's a character named Welshi. Who oh, is like no. who has like who like Instead you know joined yeah he's he's yeah. the new Scotty or whatever and he gets like <laughs> shot or something and Fry just like cradles him and goes Welshi <laughs> and I cannot hear Melshi's name and not go straight to that I just want to see Cassie go Melshi Anders I had forgotten about that episode and you've just like reawakened that for me <laughs> I had to kiss Shatner. <laughs> Oh my god. That episode is fantastic. But now I'm going to hear that whenever I... Right yeah. now. Yeah. I'm now dragging you all with me. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. We've done terrible things to each other. <laughs> all right. For my questions, I just want to know what happens next. Like, I literally have no idea what's going to happen. And I love that for us with this. Like, how are they going to get all the characters together? Because usually a show like this, an ensemble, they have to get everybody who's in a separate place into one place. That's yeah. usually what they do. I don't know if they're going to do that for this show. And it's crazy. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. It's crazy. I think Cassian is heading for Ferrex with Melshi in tow because they are a couple now and I will not separate them. <laughs> so he'll be there when Marva dies because she's definitely going to die. Yep. B will probably also die, which I'm not here for. I'm like not they... listening to a word you're saying. <laughs> I don't Daniel, recognize those words. They mentioned her injury. She's not taking her pills. She's not taking care of herself, and we need her too. 
Um, I'm wondering um, if we're going to see Krieger's mission. I don't know if we really will, or we'll just hear about what happens. Wait, Luthen's not going to intervene. He's not. So <laughs> nothing is going to be done. And we might just like hear it, him and Clea listening over the radio or something, listening to all of them die, which would also be absolutely horrible. But I don't trust these people to not do horrible things to us. <laughs> I just like, we're going to go dark again like even darker i don't like the things you just said <laughs> i don't like the things that you just said i'm so sorry Daniel. Oh. <laughs> i promise i won't mention an animal <laughs> oh you know what we're we're past that we have we've oh, gone no. into some dark dark territory <laughs> i think that this is going to be under siege to dark territory, Daniel. I think that's where we're heading. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I just hearing it said hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Anders, how about I'll you? Agree. I'll agree with you, Colleen. I think we started on Ferrex and then I think we're going to end on Ferrex. Cassian's definitely yeah. going to try and get back there to Marva, which is a good way to draw in Dedra to the planet. Um, and that and then Cinta contacts Vel, or contacts Luthen. That kind of gets everyone into that kind of central location. I'm wondering yeah. if this prison break obviously is probably going to make its way to the ISB, and oh, maybe Dedra spots Cassian on some of the footage, mm-hmm. and that, or maybe it passes over Cyril's desk. I don't know. Somehow he. I mean, the kind inventory of cons- is shot now. The inventory is shot. Cyril kind of conspicuous by his absence this week. Like they were yeah. checking in on, like, kind of setting up all the major players for the finale, and he's not there. Yeah. So I'm wondering okay, what's going fair. on there. I think ultimately, and I mean, this prediction kind of goes for the next two weeks because I have a feeling this is effectively going to be a two-part finale. Yeah. Um. We've seen a lot, we've heard a lot of references to this like vow or oath, you know, Mon and Vel and Luthen are all talking, and Lonnie all talking about like the vow you made. So maybe we ultimately end on Cassian taking the vow and that he's now really part of the rebellion. Yeah. Could be, I don't know. And then, you know, you guys have mentioned throughout this episode many times that we all kind of want to know what happened to Kino. This is not to do with the show, but I am absolutely predicting like a short comic run that's going to reveal what happens to him. That seems like the right place where they would do that. I want it. I want (laughs) it right now. Give it to me. (laughs) Someone runs into him and he tells the story about how he got out of the prison. (laughs) I mean, I'd love for him to be alive, but this is the Tony Gilroy Star Wars and I don't know that he will be alive. I don't I don't feel good saying that out loud. Mm-mm. But that's what I'm feeling. <laughs> ah yes, the feel good Star Wars show and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, uh, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. All right, Daniel, what about you? Well, okay, I'm hoping we get some follow-up on Nimic's manifesto. Mm-hmm. Um, did Cassian read it before going into prison? Um, is he somehow going to get his stash back from Niamos? Um, I mean, because he left a lot of credits there, too. Mm-hmm. And the pisos. Is it any good? Does it taste good? I want to know. <laughs> um, I I still think we're going to get... I'm agreeing with you guys that we're going to get something on Ferex. I, I think we're going to have a revolt, and it's probably going to have something to do with marva passing because i bet before she goes she's gonna stir up shit because marva is a rebel and i love her Mm -hmm. uh 
and the people of Ferrix, they, they've set up how respected Marva is and how she's connected to this daughters of Ferrix, which sounds like, you know, it's a, it's a well-respected community organization. So if, if the Empire does anything to her, I think it's going to stir up the workers. And especially if Cassian comes back with Melshi, professional shit stirs right there. <laughs> Senta's already on planet. Is she going to see Cassian fighting the Empire and think, oh, maybe, maybe there is something to this guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe Vel is the one who pleads her case to Luthen. Like, look, this guy just like, maybe he tells a story like, I just got out of prison and I'm here to fuck shit up. Please, I just want to see the Empire burn on Ferrix for what they have done. Rest mm-hmm. in peace to my boy, Pack. Like, Bix, are you okay, honey? Yeah. I love you. I hope you're yep. okay. We need um, it. We need to know. I just like the Empire, I need to see something happen to them. And hopefully, Cyril's stalker ass gets just punched <laughs> in the face. I'm I'm not past it that, like, he stalks someone and mm-hmm. figures out that, like, there's activity on Ferrix and goes there himself. I wouldn't oh, yeah. be surprised because that boy is he dialed wrong bad. in the head. He's yeah. wrong in the head. Put him down. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And also, crazy. I need to take his am stress buying some Legos right now out oh. of, uh, uh, like, I am like, oh, no, this is going to be horrible. I need Legos to, <laughs> to put up for this. Emotional support Legos. Yeah, emotional support Legos. I'm getting a custom fan Lego. All right. That's well, fair. <laughs> all right. Well, with the emotional support Legos, uh, I think that's going to... I think that's going to be it for us today. So thank you all for joining us. Find us on Twitter as long as it still exists and Instagram at <laughs> ASWPod. <laughs> follow us wherever you're getting so podcasts. Stupid. Hit that follow button. Give us a five-star review. Uh, check out all of our previous episodes on Star Wars films, Disney Plus shows, a couple of bonus ones. Check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can find Colleen and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast, and Colleen's Star Wars book reviews are up on BohemianGeekStudies.com. And join us again next time when we will take a look at the penultimate episode of Andor. Until then, Ooh. remember, guys, enjoy your calm, kindness, kinship, and love while you have it. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye, everyone. (laughs) Yay, fun times.